0: Back up top. Shot through traffic. Save made. Follow up try. That one hits a body in front. And a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game. Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side. Through the right circle. Taking it in fed across. They score! Oh! And the Ice Bears win three to two in overtime. Welcome into the Knoxville Ice Bears Podcast. I am Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for checking out the KIB Pod. Whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Knoxville, not playing this past weekend, but still a lot happening in the SPHL with a handful of other games going on. Friday through Sunday, a wild finish between Huntsville and Fayetteville to close out the weekend and Knoxville trying to make some roster adjustments as it gets ready for another trip to Macon, Georgia to take on the mayhem for two games this upcoming weekend. So we'll brief all of that on this edition of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. So starting with Knoxville's roster, obviously the unfortunate news that came late last week, Cam Huff placed on the 14-day IR If you recall, the game on Saturday, November 25th, Knoxville is at Macon. It's a tie game in the third period. Huff is coming up the left side, shoots the puck. It's held by Josh Boyko. He kind of gets hit after the shot attempt. It's not a dirty hit. It's it's nothing like that. Just he gets bumped. He falls to the ice and lands kind of awkwardly. He stayed down on the ice at the five-minute mark of the third period and was taken back to the locker room, did not return to the game, and so... After some evaluation, they opted to put him on the 14-day IR. So the, the fact that it's a 14-day stint hopefully means that it's nothing too serious for Cam, but obviously a very talented player for Knoxville that comes at a time where you're already down Brady Florent, who's on call-up to the ECHL in Atlanta. And so you're it's now another loss with a first-line forward. So Knoxville loses Davis Kirkendall to an injury. Brady Florent gets called up. And now Cam Huff, who was being elevated to that first line and playing really well for Knoxville, is now on the 14-day IR. On top of that, though, the expectation is that Kirkendall will come back this week. He is at least eligible to as his 14-day IR stint is up later on this week. So if they opt not to extend his IR stint, Kirkendall is eligible to return and play for this weekend's games. Against Birmingham, uh, against Macon, excuse me. So uh, Macon coming off a split over the weekend against Birmingham uh, as they get ready for Knoxville. But Davis Kirkendall expected uh, to be to be back this weekend, assuming there are no setbacks in his recovery after he suffered a lower body injury during Knoxville's home game against Evansville back in November. So th- those are kind of the roster moves right now. And then, of course, we'll see what other sort of moves that new head coach Andrew Harrison decides to make. So Knoxville had a week off to help the guys recover. And so that is the one thing is that if you're going to have to place a guy in the 14-day IR, it's at least nice that it comes at a time where you have an off weekend, provide some extra time for these guys to get healthy, for these guys to rest. And something that Andrew Harrison talked about was having these three-game weeks and three consecutive ones at that, that because when Harrison took over, he was officially named the interim technically on, on Monday, November 6th, after Brent Clark resigned on Sunday, November 5th. And so when that happened, suddenly Harrison turns around with a short week because he's got a road trip to Huntsville and Pensacola for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then he had two more three game weeks after that. So Knoxville played three mid-game games uh, or midweek games throughout the course of the month of November. They play, They went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, the next two weeks. And so Harrison was just optimistic about having the extra time off so that way they could finally have a practice where they can implement some new things and work on some things and really go over correcting things in detail. It's a little difficult to do that when you've got another game to prepare for immediately right after. And so it's it was kind of an unusual November for Knoxville, having those three consecutive three-game weeks but now, you know, obviously December is going to be crazy later on in the month because you've got games on the 22nd, 23rd, 26th, 29th, 30th, or 31st. That's kind of normal for every team, though, in those last 10 days of December where everybody plays a lot of games. But at the first two weeks of this month are going to feel a little bit more regulated, and then it's going to feel like a normal schedule over the last three or four months over the course of the regular season. So I think Harrison is optimistic. I think the players are optimistic that they'll have some time to – get fresh a little bit, hopefully get Davis Kirkendall back and just focus on moving forward to try to improve upon the results that they had in the month of November. And I think a lot of people would agree that it was a pretty successful month Uh, when you consider the circumstances starting out with two one-sided losses to Fayetteville and then having the head coach resign. I think everybody would consider going six and three in the following nine games would be a pretty successful run. Knoxville obviously still has... It's work cut out for it as it has to, you know, get ready for a road trip to Macon. The last time that Knoxville went to Macon for two games in the same weekend, it was swept. And Macon is coming off a pretty impressive win over a Birmingham team that has shown that it has a lot of firepower. So I, I think for, you know, Macon and Knoxville both, they're both sitting with 12 points through 15 games. So the the point percentage is the same. Uh the records are not identical, but the points are. And so for both teams, you're looking at it as hey, this is an opportunity to jump in front of the team we're playing against this season. And I think Macon believes that it should have as much confidence as Knoxville does. Knoxville obviously playing pretty well. It's won its last three games. It's going to feel fresh. It's won five of its last six. Macon, despite the skid that it had to end the month of November, okay, yes, one-sided loss to Birmingham on Friday, came back and beat Birmingham in a shootout on Saturday. I think that's a win that gives your team confidence as you get ready to face a Knoxville team that Macon has played really well against. Knoxville is two and two against Macon, but the way Macon looks at it is, hey, we're two, one and one against Knoxville. And Knoxville's had to come from behind in the third period in both of the games that Macon lost. So I think Macon probably feels like, you know, throughout the course of those four games, we've probably outplayed Knoxville a little bit more. We just haven't gotten the results. And so Macon probably feels that it has just as much reason to be confident going into this weekend as Knoxville does as it gets ready to head down to Georgia. So recapping what happened over the course of the weekend, Birmingham and Macon faced off twice Roanoke and Evansville, Peoria, Pensacola, Huntsville and Fayetteville, quad city and Knoxville did not play uh, quad City's only played 11 games so far this season. Uh, the storm are six and five. So 12 points, same as Knoxville and Macon, but four games in hand over both of those teams. Um, so they currently hang on to that number seven spot in the league standings. And it is pretty interesting when you, kind of look at how the standings shake out right now. We'll get more on that in a minute, but Birmingham got three out of four points on the road to Macon. They defeated the mayhem six to one on Friday. Macon had a three, nothing series, uh three, nothing lead on Saturday. Birmingham rallied, tied the game, ultimately went to a shootout. Josh Boyko stopped all five shots. He faced Alex LaPlante, got the game winner in the shootout and Macon held on for the win. Uh, so the mayhem uh, pick up uh, what I, you know, you, could really say is their their first trademark quality win of the season their other three wins on the year came against knoxville and evansville and so for Macon pretty impressive to be able to bounce back like that after a one-sided loss to birmingham And that's a birmingham team that has a lot of depth and talent up at the forward spot obviously they're missing a couple of guys but uh, they've also done a really good job at reloading and getting guys back and you know picking up brian bowen in in free agency so i think there's a a nice job done by Macon to be able to bounce back from Friday's effort and come out and and pick up a win on Saturday. Roanoke and Evansville a pretty interesting series. Roanoke uh, claws its way to a 3-2 win on Friday. Uh this is on the road in Indiana and then Evansville comes out really strong performance on Saturday and comes away with a 4-2 win and I think you know for Roanoke you know kind of seeing on the message boards a little bit is there reason for concern in Roanoke it's really hard to, you know, ca- you know, express cause for concern for a team that still has a lot of core pieces back. It has a lot of consistency. Yeah, only four wins in their last ten games, but as of right now, they're still holding on to the five spot in the league standings. And through only fourteen games, sixteen points. Yeah, okay, seven wins out of fourteen games. So only winning half their games right now. Goal differential is even. I just don't see Dan Bremner allowing that team to be where it's at. I, I think Bremner is very proactive as a head coach and, and not to say that other coaches aren't, but I, I think you, you know, there are different approaches to things like this. And I think you see with Dan Bremner, we, we've kind of seen this from Roanoke before a couple of times where even when they're really, really good going into the postseason, which they have been the last two years. They, they have lulls, just like lots of teams do in the early stages of the year. I think long-term, Roanoke's going to be okay. I'm not too worried about them. I If I was a Roanoke fan, I don't think. I, I would probably encourage Roanoke fans not to be too worried about the Raleighard Dogs right now um, because they're still competing in games. They've still looked really good against Fayetteville so far this season, uh, at least three wins there already to speak of. They've gone out. They've competed. Um, you know, they they've battled against teams and I I just think long term, not only that, but Austin Rodebush has been on the IR. So I I think when you talk about a team that is eventually going to get healthy, I, I think you especially with a key player being on the IR, I think you can then look forward to, okay, hey, there there's still room to reach the ceiling a little bit here. And so I think that should provide some positivity. But again, we're talking about a team that's in fifth place a quarter of the way through the season with two games in hand over Pensacola who's in second and only a 6-point lead. So there's opportunities for Roanoke to catch up to that that upper echelon and so it's going to be interesting to see how Roanoke kind of fares as the season goes along because you know Roanoke right now so far has looked pretty well against Fayetteville from a matchup standpoint. Fayetteville's in first place right now. So does it become a matter of Roanoke taking advantage of all the games that they have against Fayetteville? And starting to find a way to, you know, take advantage of that matchup and get points that way. And obviously, it's it's more than just matchups against one team. You've got to be able to go out and pick up wins on any given night. Um, Peoria's already beaten Roanoke a couple of times. Huntsville's already gotten Roanoke a couple of times. Uh, you know, they split with Quad City earlier in the season, but. You know, how does the series with Knoxville shake out? I mean, those two teams are going to play each other 11 times and they'll play each other for the first time coming up next Friday. So just more question marks that I think will come up over the course of a season. But I I think as we've kind of seen already, Macon beat Birmingham, Evansville beat Roanoke, Knoxville beat Peoria, Knoxville beat Fayetteville. I I think uh, Quad Cities beaten Fayetteville and Quad Cities also beaten Peoria You don't want to, you know, Huntsville split with Peoria a couple weeks ago. You don't want to, you know, make too much about one matchup because, oh, well, this team was lower in the standings and they beat this team. Should this team be concerned? I don't, I wouldn't want to rush that right now. I think Roanoke's going to be okay long-term because we've seen stretches like this before from Roanoke. And I don't think it's indicative of where their team is going to be in April Maybe it's not where they want to be right now, but I think that also comes to having a coach that's so proactive in Dan Bremner who's going to do everything in his, in his power to get that team above that number 5 spot right now and be better in two weeks than where they are right now. So Roanoke gets the split with Evansville. Uh, Pensacola defeated Peoria 7-4 to on Friday and then rallied from a two-goal deficit in the third period on Saturday, scored three unanswered goals, came back and won. Pensacola's undefeated at home. So they've done a good job at taking care of business in the hangar. And that's important. Now it's also uh, important to point out, Pensacola has also had some shortcomings. They've played in some wild games so far this season, but that's you know, sometimes that's those are the kind of games that Pensacola wants to play in, where there's high-scoring games. A seven to four win over Peoria. They had a seven to five win over Birmingham earlier in the year. They've also lost to Birmingham, eight to one at some point this season. So, you know, Pensacola and Birmingham, as much as those two teams are going to play each other. I think you're going to see a lot of back and forth between those teams. And so it's no surprise that they're second and third, Pensacola and Birmingham are respectively at this point in the season. So I, I think for, you know, I think both those teams are really good teams. I think Pensacola has you know done a nice job at putting together a, a way to win games. They found ways to come from behind. They can out, they can just flat out outscore opponents. They've won eight of their last 10. They've won three straight. They're playing really good hockey right now. Uh, so for Birmingham, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned about a shootout loss to make and you were, you were down three to nothing, but you can take positives away from that. You clawed your way back. You tied the game on the road on a Saturday night. And, you know, after having to play the night before and you managed to grab a point on the road. So yeah, you would have loved to get the two points there, but I think you have to be pretty pleased with where you're at. You've got points in eight of your last 10 as does Fayetteville. So, you know, I think all in all, I think Birmingham can be. Can be at least pleased with the weekend, though. I'm pretty sure they would have loved to have gotten four points when going down to Georgia. For Peoria, it is kind of interesting. Their first true road trip of the season when they kind of left the Illinois, Indiana area was when they went down to Knoxville and Huntsville. And now the Rivermen have lost four out of five in regulation um, over their past five games. So uh, Peoria, they were 7-0-1 to start the season. Now 13 games in, they're eight, four and one, still sitting in fourth place, still sitting pretty, um, and still with a lot of hockey left to be played. But I think it also just goes to show that, you know, once you have to start going on the road and once you have to start traveling, that it can be tough to win in some of these places, you know, uh, Knoxville, even on a Wednesday night can be a tough place to play Huntsville, a lot of Friday and Saturday night can be a tough place to play. And, you know, Peoria was down in one of those hunts in the Huntsville game that it won, was down in that game at one point. So, you know, I thought that was a good two game series between Peoria and Huntsville a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, long-term I think Peoria is going to be okay as well. Peoria has also been hit by the injury bug a bit. And so that's going to be something that, you know, as Peoria gets healthy, as all these teams start to shape up, who can stay healthy, who can avoid injuries at the right time, who can avoid call-ups, little things that are going to pile up. But as we've seen, teams are going to go through lulls like this. Really the only team that hasn't done it yet is Fayetteville 11, three and two and keep in mind, they started 0-1 and 1 after you know getting swept by Roanoke to start the season. So now Fayetteville is 11-2 and 1 in its last 14 games. So uh, Fayetteville's been very consistent. They're 7-2 and 1 in their last 10, and I, I think it goes to show that um, you know that that Ryan Cruthers has done a really good job with. A first year as a first year head coach, he's got a pretty young team, but he does have a lot of guys that have played division one hockey or ECHL hockey. And I think he's got good goaltending there with Connor O'Brien and Ryan Kenny. So a lot to be happy about. I think if you're Fayetteville, so Fayetteville in one, Pensacola in two, Birmingham, three, Peoria, four, Roanoke, five, Huntsville at the number six spot. So this Huntsville Fayetteville series, Huntsville leads two to nothing on Saturday. Fayetteville scores four unanswered; They win the game four to two on sunday to close out the sphl weekend huntsville leads 2 to nothing going into the third period fayetteville scores three goals within the first 7 minutes of the third they've got a 3-2 lead you know time goes on time goes on it looks like fayetteville is going to get out of crown coliseum with a win At less than 2 minutes to go huntsville scores ties the game okay maybe we're going to overtime fayetteville scores with 15 seconds remaining suddenly okay fayetteville's got it back they're going to win this game huntsville scores with a rebound out of the air, batted back into the net to tie the game at four with less than a second on the clock. Game goes to overtime where Fayetteville ultimately wins it. So Fayetteville really had to fight off Huntsville on three separate occasions. They trailed by two, took the lead, gave up a game-tying goal, appeared to win it in the final minute, gave up a game-tying goal again, and then had to win it at overtime. So credit to Huntsville for picking up a point after blowing a two-goal lead. But, man, Fayetteville just, it, sometimes it's about finding ways to win. And the Marksmen have done a really good job of that throughout the course of the season. So hats off to the Marksmen because that, that was a wild game from both teams. Credit to Huntsville for the way that they fought. And uh, probably the most exciting, entertaining finish of any game we've seen in the SPHL this season. We've seen some wild ones. You know, I know Macon and Evansville played uh wild game a couple of weeks ago. Obviously the Knoxville Peoria game, I think, was a lot of fun. Pensacola and Birmingham have had some barn burners already. Um, you know, it's always fun when uh I think when Roanoke and Fayetteville get together because there's been some competitive games, even though Roanoke has, you know, picked up some wins in that series already. But I think it's always uh entertaining the way that this has gone. The Quad City Fayetteville high scoring affair, that seven to six game. Um so a lot of games like that I think are just a lot of fun. And um, I think we've seen uh, I think the fans have been entertained. If you're following a team this year, then uh, I think you've been uh, you've gotten to see some pretty exciting stuff already in the first quarter of the year. So just about every team is at least a fourth of the way through their schedule. Peoria has only played 13 games. Quad City has only played 11. Um, I do think the disparity in wins is kind of interesting. You have Fayetteville and Pensacola with 11. And I know that overtime losses and shootout losses play a role into this as where teams stack up. But you have Birmingham with nine wins, Peoria with eight Roanoke and Huntsville with seven, and then you have Quad City and Knoxville with six, and so it is kind of interesting. Huntsville, with sixteen games played, has seven wins. Knoxville with fifteen has six wins, and so it just kind of goes to show how quickly things can turn. Knoxville started out zero and six, and but then also you have Macon that with only four wins, they still have four post regulation losses, so they have twelve points. So, you know, Macon's not as far back from Huntsville in that six spot as you think. So just a long way to go um, You know, the upcoming weekend. I think it can be pretty telling about what to expect. Roanoke goes to Fayetteville for a pair of games this weekend. Knoxville goes to Macon Huntsville. um will play Birmingham on Friday. And then again, on Saturday they'll play a home and home Pensacola heads to quad city Peoria gets Evansville. So I think, I think whenever you look at some of these matchups, Pensacola quad city is really interesting because Quad City has shown that it can compete. They have wins over Fayetteville, Peoria, and Roanoke. That's not nothing. We just haven't seen a whole lot of them because they've only played 11 games. Um, And then for Pensacola, you know, they've been so good at home. Now they have to go on the road. So can they keep the momentum going away from the hangar? I think it's a question worth asking, and we're going to find out a little bit coming up this weekend. You have... Peoria and Evansville, you know, can Evansville find a way to, you know, keep its recent run going where they've recently picked up a couple of wins, you know, they, they picked up one over Roanoke. And so uh, they got one over Quad City the week before, you know, does Evansville start to find a bit of a groove? Can they start to consistently challenge Peoria and Quad City, who they're going to see a lot of throughout the course of the season, just because of their geographic location, Birmingham and Huntsville, the Alabama rivalry, you've got Roanoke and Fayetteville, the rivalry out east, you know, can Fayetteville start to make some headway in this regular season series against the rail yard dogs. I, and then of course, you know, Knoxville and Macon are you know going to try to battle for supremacy over that number eight spot, depending on what Quad City does this weekend. So I think every weekend now, just because of where the season is at, it, it brings a lot of intrigue. And so while Fayetteville and Pensacola have started to create a little bit of separation away from, you know, the teams directly below them. And granted, it's still way too early to determine anything, but I think it is very intriguing as to, you know, will a team finally pull away? Does Fayetteville make a statement? Do they go in and sweep Roanoke and, you know, suddenly, hey, we're, you know, we're pushing ourselves away from the pack. Does Pensacola show, hey, we're, we're not just a one-trick pony at home. We can go out of the state of Florida and win on the road as well and start to create some separation from Birmingham and Peoria. Does Peoria bounce back and start to right the ship? Does Birmingham bounce back from the loss to Macon. You know, they're going to have to go into Huntsville on a Saturday night. That's never easy. Huntsville going into Birmingham on a Friday night. That's not a cakewalk. So I think you're starting to see parity within the league because you're talking about a Quad City team that already has three quality wins despite being the number 7 seed. Huntsville's already gotten a couple of wins over Roanoke. They've competed really well against Fayetteville. They're going to get matchups against Pensacola and Birmingham throughout the season. You know How do they compete? They've already split with Peoria. So I, you know, there's no, there's no clear cut favorite. You're starting to see a little bit of tearing because right now it looks like Fayetteville and Pensacola have, you know, really been consistent. Birmingham and Peoria, I think can still get into that mix. Roanoke, a little bit of work to do, but I think long-term they're going to be okay. And Huntsville has shown that it can compete. So I, I think it's just going to be, and obviously, you know, Knoxville, Macon and Evansville, they've, they've got their, they've got some ground to make up. Just because of the slow starts to the season for those three teams, but I think all in all, you're at least seeing some parity in the league. Nobody's really asserted themselves to be the team to beat yet. Um, you know, I think you would probably look at Fayetteville um in that regard, but I think Huntsville at least showed, hey, these these guys don't go away, but they're not invincible. Because if you can build a two goal lead against a squad, which Huntsville did twice, it does show that they have some vulnerabilities, as every team does in the SPHL. And for Fayetteville, it's really about okay, now we've got to get over the Rono comp. And so it's it's going to be a big test for a lot of teams this weekend in just a, a different number of ways. So I think there's a lot of interesting storylines. Um, Knoxville, how do they respond from having a break? You know, team was playing really well, team that wins three straight. Sometimes when you're hot, you don't really want a break, though I think Knoxville kind of needed it. But how does, you know, if Cody Karpinski is starting in net this Friday night, how does he respond to having a whole week off after playing three games in four days the previous week? Do we get to see Marco Costantini and Ned? Just, you know, questions that are going to be asked throughout the course of the week that I I think fans across the league are going to want answered as we try to figure out who's who as we enter the second quarter of a 56-game season. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening. The Knoxville Ice Bears podcast will have the call for you for Knoxville and Macon coming up this Friday night for the first of two games, puck drop is at 7 o'clock Eastern on Friday, 6.30 on Saturday. We'll have the call for you in the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app and on 92.5 WKCE. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.